Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Happy New Year! 2023. I don't know if you can believe it, but I don't, I'm adjusting to it. Hopefully you guys had a nice night last night, and as you, most of you know, um, I recorded this a year ago. Sorry, it's been a long time, but yeah, had to record this yesterday so that I could be um, free on this beautiful morning, Sunday morning, to worship the Lord on this new day. So this will be going out, hopefully you're getting this early enough to listen to it before church. If I got it out right, I got to schedule it and get it going live early, early. So we'll see how it goes, but welcome. And if you're new, welcome. This is going to be a journey. And if you've never read through the Bible in one year, you will be blessed. I guarantee it. I've been blessed to do this now. This whole last year started it a couple of years ago when COVID started. People in the church said, especially you, Candace, said, we need to get together, read the Bible, and we need more input. So we said, yeah. And it's been going and growing. So we are blessed. So I wanted to read you something really quick before we get started in our journey, something that was written by Haley. This is Haley's Bible handbook, by the way. And he wrote something very compelling. He says, there's a difference between the Bible and all other books. Authors may pray for God's help and God's guidance, and God does help and guide. And there are many good books in the world which unmistakably God has helped the authors to write. But even so, even the most saintly of authors would hardly presume to claim for his books that God wrote them. But that is claimed for the Bible. God himself superintended and directed and dictated the writing of the Bible books with human authors so completely under his control that the writing was the writing of God. The Bible is God's word in the sense that no other book in the world is God's word. It may be that some Bible utterances are ancient thought forms for ideas that would now express in a different way for they were expressed in language of ancient times. But even so, the Bible contains precisely the things that God wants mankind to know, in exactly the form in which he wants us to know them. And to the end of time, the dear old book will remain the one and only answer to humanity's quest for God. The Bible, composed by many authors over a period of many centuries, yet one book, is in itself an outstanding miracle of the ages bearing aloft its own evidence of its supreme human origin. Everybody ought to love the Bible. Everybody ought to be a regular reader of the Bible. Everybody ought to strive to live by the Bible's teaching. The Bible ought to have central place in the life and working of every church and in every pulpit. The pulpit's one business, all in caps here, is the simple expository teaching of God's Word. And that 
is why we do what we do at Calvary Chapel, why most pastors are up every Sunday on this day doing just that. There are fewer and fewer churches that are, but we are thanking God that there are still a lot of churches that are doing that. And to this end, we want to read his book. It is his book for our edification, for our life to grow, for all things in, in godly, to help us in every aspect of life. So we're going to read the book, and we will do it every morning, and we will um, start off with a, a little brief update on what's going on down here, perhaps. Uh, I like to do a little weather update and also a dad joke or two just to keep us smiling as we go through as a joyful people in the kingdom of God, and then we'll read a devotional at the end. Hopefully we'll do it all in 35 minutes. That is the plan. We'll see how it goes. So let's pray and give this this day and this beautiful day and this whole year to God as we look forward to what he wants to do. Father God, thank you for bringing us together and guiding us and, and starting this new year with a new family all together, no matter where we're from, God, we want to celebrate you and thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. God, just guide us and direct us. Help us to be faithful to this quest to follow you in your word. Some of us may be in the desert, but we know your manna is sufficient. It is good. It is, it is what we need to sustain us in this world, in this life, and to help us grow. So, Father, we desire to look for it every morning together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we get going, I, I found some New Year's jokes. Now, i got to remember if I buried them or not. I bet I did. i got to see if I buried these things somewhere because I was just trying to get this ready. And yeah, I did. Well, we'll we won't do the New Year's jokes. We'll do the other ones. <clears throat> okay, let's try this one. <laughs> I saw an ad for burial plots and I thought, that's the last thing I need. <laughs> Very true. Need an ark? Noah guy. <laughs> you have to say that one kind of clearly. Noah guy. Okay. Sleeping comes natural for me. I can do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> I told you they're dad jokes. You're just going to have to get used to them. You're going to get them all year long. But uh, we like to start that way anyway. Keep, keep our, um, as we seek God, <laughs> we can also seek to be joyful in his presence. And that is certainly my aim. So we are looking into the book of Genesis this morning. And in my rush, I was not able to put up my reading for today. I apologize for that. But it's Genesis 1 through 3. And it is also Matthew 1. So let's get started. You guys ready? Here we go. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Then God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning, one day. Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse, 
and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. God, God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning a second day. Then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waves he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind and their seed in them. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after its kind, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in them and their kind. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created a, the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to every thing that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Chapter 2 Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God created and made. This is the account 
of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now, no shrub or field was yet in the earth. No plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man in the, of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of the land is good, and Bedlam and the onyx stones are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creatures, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Chapter 3 Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on your head, and you shall bruise him on his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Because of it, you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, The man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out at the east of the garden of Eden, and he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So the very important, foundational, um, classic beginning to the Bible, the creation story, and Adam and Eve being created. The one overarching thing that you want to gain understanding is, is that in the beginning, God, not in the beginning, Big Bang. Not in the beginning, there was nothing. In the beginning, God. He exists. He existed prior to anything material being um, developed or, or created. It takes way more faith in my mind to be an evolutionary believer, to believe that in the beginning there was absolutely nothing and it exploded and we got everything. They consider us naive? Come on. Singularity? Okay, infinite mass that is shrunk down to infinite, almost nothing, but it's still something in their mind. It's a mind game. Because they say in the beginning there was nothing. 
oh, well, it was something. It was a singularity, but it exploded, and that's where all mass came from. And you're going, ah, yeah, no. In the beginning, God, and God said, let there be light. God decided to create the universe we know of. Fascinating to think that the focus of God was initially on our planet. And you read, you watch all these science shows and you think, okay, our universe formed of billions and billions of years and, and our solar system is insignificant and it formed much later and, and we are in a cosmic accident. And I, all of that, the Bible rejects. Bible says God created the earth as he wanted to have a, a place where he could fellowship with his new creation. He had the host of heaven, but he says, I'm going to make a creation and I'm going to put them on this planet, on this planet to have fellowship with them. And that was his heart. So this is what he does. And so we live in a geocentric universe. And I do not mean that like the flat earthers that everything spins around the earth. Geocentric in God's heart. God created the earth for the purpose of putting Adam and Eve there to start off a human race that he could walk in the garden in the cool of the day with, to fellowship with. That was the intent and the purpose, but they fell. They took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is now the fall of man, classic chapter three. And we have the proto-evangelical, the God saying yes, but now this sets in motion this whole plan of salvation where you... <laughs> he's going to crush your head and you're going to bruise his heel. There's this whole in this, this from the very beginning, this whole promise of the coming of the Messiah. Most people miss that. But it's beautiful to see. And we have the plan of mankind established there. Now, all of the history of Israel is going to be laid out in the Old Testament. When you get to the New Testament now, the man who would come and crush the serpent's head and that serpent is Nagash. We think he was a being that had arms and legs that were able to go into the garden and talk to Eve with a voice. whole different idea than, when you, than the snake you see on the tree. But that person is going to crush his head now shows up on the scene in the New Testament. God's plan for redemption is in the New Testament. And so we see the history and the fall of man and the beginning of man learning how to come back to God through these prophets and these patriarchs and the law. But we see now the promise of God saying, I, you will be defeated and I will make this right, starting in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew. And of course, the one who would crush Satan's head, the serpent's head, is Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 now, verses 1 through 25, the genealogy of the Messiah. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez. And Zerah by Tamar. Perah was the father of Hezron. And Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. And Aminadab the father of Nashon. And Nishan was the father of Salman. Salman was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. 
Jehoshaphat was the father of Joram, and Joram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Ammon, and Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shatiel. Shatiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud. Abihud was the father of Elikim. Elikim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Elud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. And Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to Messiah, 14 generations. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And there we have the all-important heritage, the uh, all all of the the chronology of of the birth of Jesus, uh, the genealogy, everything that fell in place from Abraham down, fourteen generations here to fourteen generations here. The idea is that this was all planned from Abraham on down. God had a time piece. He knew how long in each one of these generations still another major event was going to happen. And so he had certain sons planned to pass down the line, the genealogical line from Abraham down to Messiah. And when you read the New Testament... You see that we get the kingly line and the priestly line coming down to Jesus, and we see that he is qualified. Everything that the Bible talked about in the Old Testament about the qualifications of the Messiah, he lines up, he fulfills, and this is why these genealogies are so, so important. But of course, Joseph, none of that would have been that important to him. He wants to know why his wife's pregnant, and of course, he gets the angel to tell him, it's by the Holy Spirit, this is of God, and this is so, so, so important to understand. And even if, if you go to a church somewhere and you're not sure the church you're going to is if they're they're a little bit steeped in tradition and doctrine and kind of dry, ask your pastor. I know this sounds weird, but I say, do you believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man? 
And prayerfully, hopefully you'll say, of course I do. Why do you ask? Because now 54% of pastors in the United States don't believe that anymore. Mary was a child by the Holy Spirit, which means he was fully God and fully man. He was Christ the Messiah. He wasn't just a good prophet. And he needed to be fully God in order to be able to have the power to forgive our sins, to be perfect, to be the perfect spotless lamb, because no man is perfect. No man is spotless, but he is. So this, again, this is the power of the New Testament, that we serve a God who came to this earth in the second person of the Trinity, who died for our sins. He was born to bring to us peace, but peace through him, through our relationship with him. So this is why we are going to be looking so much into the New Testament and, and this theme of God come to the earth through Christ as the divine Messiah. All right, Charles Spurgeon now. The Bible's first promise. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise thy head and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 3.15 This is the first promise to fallen man. It contains the whole gospel and the essence of the covenant of grace. It has been in great measure fulfilled the seed of the woman, even our Lord Jesus, was bruised in his heel. And the terrible bruising it was. How terrible will be the final bruising of the serpent's head. This was virtually done when Jesus took away sin, vanquished death, and broke the power of Satan. But it awaits a still further accomplishment at the Lord's second advent. And in the day of judgment, to us, the promise stands as a prophecy that we shall be afflicted by the power of evil in our lower nature and thus bruised in our heel, but we shall triumph in Christ, who sets his foot on the old serpent's head. Throughout this year, we may have to learn the first part of this promise by experience through the temptation of the devil and the unkindness of the ungodly who are his seed. They may so bruise us that we may limp with our sore heel, but let us grasp the second part of the text and we shall not be dismayed. By faith, let us rejoice that we shall still reign in Christ Jesus, the woman's seed. What a beautiful beautiful way to look at the coming new year because what we see on the horizon is honestly not pretty and for the christian it is looking darker and darker but uh he's just saying yeah that's just the old serpent's going to be striking at our heel but we know that we have a, a lord and a god that is crushing his head he is coming back and when he's when he comes back for us Satan is done, so we can rejoice and we look towards this new year with great hope and anticipation. There's going to be more political, horrible things going on. There's going to be more pandemics or something going on. There's going to be more Christians that are taken off whatever social platform. There's going to be more in kindness, but we can maintain our joy and our hope 
because we know he's coming. We know he's coming for us. And our focus is going to be the kingdom first, the kingdom first in all things in our life. And when that happens, you become a man like Daniel. And when they come for you and they say, Daniel, you must bow down and accept the world system, Daniel just opens up the windows and say, hey, I'm just going to worship my God. I'm just going to close my eyes, lift up my hands and worship my God. He's in control of my life. Daniel being thrown in the lion's den, same thing. Joseph being thrown into the prison. All of these patriarchs, Paul and Peter and all those guys, when they were thrown into difficult and dark times, they ended up singing hymns, lifting up their hands, worshiping God. So those are the things that we need to keep in mind and keep looking for and keep praying one for another as we do that. So we will spend a little bit of time in prayer as we finish out this morning and then look forward to ask God to bless the rest of this whole new year. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for my brothers and sisters all gathered together and starting off this new year together. And I pray, God, that you would be drawing those that are hungry for you, those that want to know the truth, that those that have never read their Bibles and those that are just wanting to grow. And that you would bring us together as a community, strong, Father, brothers and sisters all over the place, continue to lift you up, follow you, and be your servants. So thank you for this wonderful platform, this time that we have together. We do pray for your strong blessings upon it, and that you draw in those that you desire to be with us, God. And protect us from the trolls or from the platforms that might want to demonetize or take us off. But we know that you're in control, so thank you, God. We praise you and thank you. And as we go into this new year, God, just a quick prayer for the, the pilot that we knew at least a few days ago was in Mozambique in prison working for MAF flying and put in prison for some crazy reason, even though all he was doing was taking supplies to an orphanage. So these things some sound really, really unjust, but that's the kind of world we're living in. We pray in this new year, God, that you would hold back these um, viruses from coming out of China. We pray for your, for your healing upon the people in China. We pray for their freedom. We pray for those people that are so frustrated over there that you would bring them some relief and bring them God health. We pray, God, that they would bring them a government that would allow them to live in peace. And so, God, we don't know what your plan is, but we want to lift them up and, and um, keep the rest of the areas and the, the island around there, of Taiwan, keep them safe. Uh, we pray the war in Ukraine, God, that that might wind down rather than wind up this year as it potentially could go nuclear so many difficulties so many dangers out there and so many um, things looming in political circles to try and take away more freedoms and to limit christians and even close down churches so god we pray against all that we pray that you make us a brighter light a brighter light in the world and help people be drawn to you and see you as we come into the, in the new year the people with all these anxieties and and fears Father, use those fears and anxieties to bring them into your presence, that they would fall on their face and call out to you and they would find you, the God of our joy and our salvation, the God who is our great protector and who is in the process even now of crushing the head of Satan. So thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you we can start off in church worshiping you and praising you. So we're going to give you the rest of this this day and the rest of this year, God, and just keep us safe. Keep us in your hands. Keep us healthy 
and God allow us to continue together as we come every morning for our manna for breakfast. In Jesus' name, amen. That will do it for today, our first day. So thank you guys, and we will look forward to seeing you with fewer motorcycles, hopefully, when we meet in the morning. We'll look forward to seeing you live tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock here at Vallarta time. And just know that we do put out a podcast, an edited version of this. We'll be putting it out every morning on Spotify and Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and I still got to remember the other two we use, but they'll be there. So look for those as well. You can always go to our webpage, calvarypv.com, and you can find all the, the podcasts at the bottom, pretty much everything you can find on calvarypv.com. So just go there and check it out. God bless you. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Mm-hmm.